0: Hey Jeepers, on this week's XJ Talk Show, we find out which countries are getting Jeeps and who's getting left in the dust. The list of 2014's most hackable vehicles is out, and you'll never guess who's on the list. We share some new voicemails,
1: give some love to a few of our YouTube subscribers, and find out what I've broken on my Jeep now and
0: what's new on Tony's Jeep. That's right, Steve also stops by with an all-new Jeep garage, and John gets us connected in a brand new RadioCom tech. All that and more on the next XJ Talk Show. The XJ Talk Show is for entertainment purposes only. Any advice or information provided on this show should be verified by alternative sources prior to making any changes or modifications to your vehicle. We are not experts, just people that enjoy the Jeep hobby and don't mind talking endlessly about it. P.S. We love you.
2: This broadcast for a live XJ talk show news break. Deadly computer virus spreading to humans. Important software updates to follow. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.
3: Hey, stud. It's time for the XJ talk show. Now, here's my two favorite boys. Tony, and Josh.
0: <laughs> yes, this is episode 142 of the XJ Talk Show. Thank you for joining us. As you always do, we can always count on you guys, just like we can always count on Nikki G to call in some voicemails like he does every week. We really appreciate it, Nikki G. And you should call in your voicemails too, but more about that later. Here's my co-host. I'm Josh. You guys know me as NW99XJ or Northwest9999XJ over at XJTalk.com. Uh, of course you do yeah, and Josh has been uh, made uh, made himself much more of a presence on uh, XJTalk.com And we really appreciate it I was noticing a post, I guess it was last night, Josh That you were uh, uh, pimping out the show uh, in one of the chats Telling uh, uh, a new member about, hey, check out the show And uh, uh, I believe uh, they, uh, they actually said I uh, got the distinct feeling it was a she But it, got, uh, mm-hmm. it was like uh, she said that, uh, that she had already checked that out And it was really nice
1: yeah, yeah, we got some kind words from a a new member, a, a relatively new Jeeper, and and well, they're uh, they're actually a Northwesterner too, so uh, somebody out kind of sort of in my neck of the woods.
0: Kinda sorta. Well, I guess if uh, they're anywhere close uh, to your neck of the woods, it would be uh, closer than what I am. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Hey, this is the the XJ Talk Show, a podcast about Jeep Cherokees off-roading, the tech that you need to get you there and back. We're here to promote the web's most premier website for all that is Jeep Cherokee, xjtalk.com, the friendliest and most helpful Jeep site on the web. xjtalk.com encourages and answers all questions and concerns that the first-time XJ owners typically have without any flaming or criticism, all while giving you the best, most in-depth articles and write-ups for the repairs and modifications that take your average XJ to the next level. Now get ready. The XJ Talk Show, it starts right now.
4: First week in Jeep.
1: Brazil gets it. India, well, not so much. For the first time, Jeep will be launching its brand in India next year. However, plans to include the new Renegade model have been canceled. And I, believe me, I've looked around for the reasons why, and I can't actually find anything. So it's kind of being kept under wraps as to why India is being oh, kept out of the loop, as it were. Brazil, on the other hand, will be getting the 2015 renegade, and it has already been spotted by keen observers ahead of the official reveal. Photos have leaked online, showing it in the typical, oh my god, what the hell is that? Don't look at me, nothing to see here, Camouflage. The vehicle will be officially shown off in Brazil during the upcoming Sao Paulo Auto Show and is expected to go on sale in March of 2015. The U.S. and other Western countries will get it a little earlier in January. That's right, world. Once again, USA comes first. The Renegade is the smallest of all the Jeeps ever offered and is inspired by the infamous Dung Beetle, or what (laughs) Fiat Kreitzer likes to call their new small-wide 4x4 architecture. Or this this is really just a car and we have no idea what we're doing platform, as I like to call it. Designed in the United States by blind fourth graders in remedial art class, and manufactured in Fiat by Italy, or manufactured by Fiat in Italy using Chinese parts that were machined in Russia. The U.S. SUV will uh, come in three engine and at least two transmission configurations. Because let's face it, if you're going to drive something that's barely a Jeep to begin with, why not confuse yourself and those around you further by getting to choose from an almost endless combination of drive- drivetrain options, starting with a six-speed. These are expected to include a 1.6-liter flex fuel, a 1.4-liter turbocharged four-cylinder, and a 2.4-liter four-cylinder engine with a nine-speed automatic transmission. With na 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 the U.S. doesn't get one of these neater-neater diesel, tra- diesel options available everywhere globally, but here, uh, coming soon after. While it's by far the smallest sport utility Jeep on the market, it is still very spacious inside. It can fit up to five midgets, I mean people, <laughs> with a big cargo area. And if that wasn't enough for you, it can perform off-road duty just as well as its larger cousins, the Geo Metro and Mini Cooper. But hey, at least it's got some bling with its 17-inch off-road aluminum wheels. Pricing is believed to be in the range of 65,000 reals in Brazil, or around 28,665 if you convert that to U.S. dollars. The list of the most hackable vehicles of 2014 is out, and guess who's on top of the list? It used to be all a would be thief would need to acquire a vehicle that wasn't his was a lockpick, a hammer, or a decent slim gym and the knowledge to hotwire an ignition. Of course, the balls and lack of intelligence to do this in the first place was probably a prerequisite as well. Nowadays, computers are controlling more and more of the cars we drive, and criminals are turning to the technology to try and take over your car. That is, unless you own a certain 1996 Honda Accord. <laughs> A new report released by automobile researchers Charlie Miller and Chris Valasek looked at most hackable cars of 2014, and I know some of you loyal listeners are going to get a kick out of who made it on the list. Of all the vehicles they researched, examined, and tested, the 2014 Jeep Cherokee topped the list, followed by the 2015 Cadillac Escalade and the 2014 Toyota Prius. Near the bottom of the list, as as the least hackable, were the 2014 Dodge Viper and the 2014 Audi A8. Both respectable cars, if you ask me. The study finds the easiest things to hack are the car's built-in apps and Bluetooth, which connect to the car services such as OnStar. While the study did not not provoke any responses from Ford or Toyota after being shown the findings, the automobile industry has been recently trying to crack down on potential cyber risks to cars. The Alliance of Automobile Manufacturers and the Associate of Global Automakers said last month that they have plans to address these uh, technological weaknesses in new models. What does that mean for those of you who are stu- I mean, who made the decision to get one of the 2014 Jeep Cherokees, despite the advice from a certain number one Jeep podcast? Well, you had better hope there's a firmware update soon or that Chrysler is going to make a patch for that ultra hackable, super trendy SUV wannabe you just had to have. Hey, if you'd like to submit a story to be aired on This Week in Jeep, or if you have a response to any one of the stories here, please send an email to news tips at xjtalkshow.com.
0: You know what I find most confusing uh, when, you're, uh, when your when uh, your f- video feed freezes, your background Josh. continues to move. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, we okay, t- we started having some problems with the 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 Josh's video freezing last night on the Tony and Josh show, and it's continued into night. So, don't freak out when you see me moving and Josh and his striking a pose, so to speak. So, this is some of the fun. Yeah, this is some of the fun. Don't don't ever make that face again. Uh, yeah, right. This is some of the fun that uh, we have here with uh, the live show that you could uh, join in with us every Thursday night, 10 p.m. Central Time on our YouTube channel, uh, strangely enough, youtube.com slash xjtalk. So, uh, yeah, Josh, that's uh, that's some interesting stuff going on. Perhaps the they were only going to sell leather models uh, in India, and somebody... Uh, <laughs> Well, good point. (laughs) Somebody said, stop the
4: presses.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You got to figure this out. Hold on. Plan B. Stop the presses and, hey, give me a burger while you're doing that. So, uh, yeah, no, uh, there's no telling. Uh, But, uh, you know, I don't know that uh, that the economy is any better over in India than what it was several years ago. But uh, I think you could live like a king for $800 a month there. So I don't know how many people are going to be buying a $28,000 vehicle.
1: Yeah, especially if they're trying to sell like Grand Cherokees over there. I mean, who the heck is going to be able to afford one of those? And forget about anything SRT, uh, that's not going to happen. So, uh, I mean, geez, what are we left with here? Cherokees, Wranglers, and well, not Renegades. So (laughs) I don't know what's going to happen with with India's uh, new car market as far as Jeep is concerned. Nonetheless, I'm going to keep digging away at this and see if I can't get to the bottom of why India is uh, kind of getting swept under the rug as far as deliveries go. Uh, because this is very curious. and I, I really did look. I spent probably a good half hour tonight uh, researching. And all I can find is the announcement and no meat behind it. So for whatever reasons are out there, it's really being kept under wraps as to why India is not going to be getting the renegade.
0: Strange stuff. So we'll be looking forward to uh, hearing more about that in the future.
3: XJTalk.com is where you go when you're not off-road. And now you can go to XJTalk.com when you're off-road too. Using your smartphone, install the TapaTalk talk app, then search for XJTalk. Take XJTalk with you wherever you go. Jury duty, dinner with your spouse's parents, even, well, anywhere you need your XJTalk fix.
4: with petty cash racing. Tune into the XJ Talk Show to find out more about our team and the Jeep we all love. We
0: welcome and look forward to your questions and comments. Dial 530-675-4102 and leave your message on our 24 by 7 voicemail.
3: How would you like to be a guest on the XJ Talk Show? Do you have an interesting story about your Jeep? Maybe an off-road adventure? Perhaps you're a vendor and want to get the word out about your great products. Send us an email to interviews at xjtalk.com or call and leave a voice or text message at 530-675-4102. 530 675 Four one zero two. We look forward to hearing from you.
1: Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or your MP3 player. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash show.
0: 586 subscribers, Josh.
1: Knocking on that door of
0: 600. 6,000.
1: <laughs> well, we have over 170,000 views. You guys have been doing an excellent job of spreading the word. So keep up the good work and tell a friend about the XJ Talk Show. Turn them on and get them to subscribe. And who knows? Might just get their name as well as yours out on the
0: on the air. Hey, let's start with uh, number one, Chris Smith. We got Fly or Die 209. Uh, oh, Fossil Girls 1's uh, Fossil Girl 1's channel. And uh, this
1: one, geez, I can probably go a few different ways, but I got KC8NTP. I almost
0: see see that is like catnip. Oh, Catnip. What? KC8NTP. I don't know. Uh, it's interesting either way you say it, but thanks a lot for subscribing to our YouTube channel. As I said before, YouTube.com slash XJTalk. Well, well, like I said before, uh, I don't want to keep anybody waiting uh, or uh, waiting to the end for these Nikki G uh, voicemails. Uh, I just edited it and put it together. I haven't even listened to it, Josh, so it'll be new for me. I'm hoping there's not a tirade of expletives (laughs) in the middle because I didn't bleep nothing, but, you know, Nikki G hasn't done that yet. Now, 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 he's
1: been a pretty good sport.
0: Now, mark my words, since he's hearing this, he's going to do that in some future he's going to
1: test you yeah i know it yeah just every every word in the book he's going to start cussing like a sailor the next time and
0: and i'm going to tell his wife and then i'll I'll straighten him out for the next time (laughs) them them fighting words right there
1: (laughs) hey this is tony and this is josh from the xj talk show we want to thank you for calling our 24 7 voice line
0: yes we do just leave your first name and your question or comment there's no guarantee, but we may play your message on the podcast. Oh, and don't worry about keeping it clean. We'll take care of that. Now it's your turn to speak at the
4: beep. Hey, this is Nikki G. I'm uh, running a little slow on the podcast this week. Uh, the bastards at work insist on doing that I do the job that they paid me to do. And uh, they don't understand that they're interfering with my social life. But anyhow, so I just just finished up listening to the podcast and uh, I want to thank Steve for his garage tips on welders. I am one of those SOBs that have been thinking about getting a Harbor Freight welder and just welding up a bumper out of scrap. Uh so thanks to the information Steve gave me. I think I'm gonna leave the welding to professionals and uh buy a bumper. This way my people look prettier. That's about it. I will talk to
0: you guys later. You guys have a good
1: one. Bye. Well, Nikki G supporting the economy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Keeping the, keeping those planes moving. He works at the airport guys. Uh, I think he actually, uh, I don't think he taxis them, but he drives pulls them around on one of those little, uh, those little carts that you see. I was
1: gonna say I don't think the government lets
0: him fly those. <laughs> I've seen <laughs> him in something that looks like a plane though, on a video Uh-oh. that he, that he submitted. So I'm not, well we'll have to find out. We we still need to get him on and ask him a few questions. No. Maybe uh maybe black his face out and change his voice, so in case it's anything that <laughs> <laughs> that he needs to keep secret. <laughs> yeah. Have you taxed any UFOs? <laughs> hey, this is Nikki G. And uh Oswana.
4: Take a second to reply to the comment Tony made about uh, me doing the laundry at my house. Uh, well, since the uh, great vacuum cleaner wing nut incident of '92, <laughs> I am not allowed within 15 feet of any major appliance or electric equipment, excluding the microwave, which I have uh, limited supervised visits with. <laughs> And I've, I got free range at the grill and everything outside of the house, but in the house I'm kind of banned from all the stuff like that. So if uh, you guys want to get out of housework, just really screw a piece of equipment up one time and, uh, you're pretty <laughs> clear. All right, guys, I'll, uh, chat you later. Have a good one. Bye.
0: <laughs> well, thanks a <laughs> lot, Nikki G. I, I said it before I'll say it again. Thanks a lot for, uh, we can always count on you to call in every week and it's always something interesting. Uh, it's, uh, you know it's it's a it's a trick to come up with something interesting to say every week, and uh, I may be just, uh, just fooling myself that uh, maybe I'm not thinking of something new to, to say every week. I'm just trying not to say yes, yes. It's episode blah 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 every time the show starts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> See, I think I think it's interesting that that Tony uh, that uh, the Nikki's not allowed near the washer and dryer, but yet he can fire up the the flame, you know, the the, the grill, playing with fire and stuff like that. I think there's more. Yeah. Uh, more risk for injury there, but uh, well, that's just me. Hey, guys, if you'd like to call in and join in the fun like Nikki G did, you got to give us a call. Hit up our 24-7 voicemail line, 267-507. Whoops, no, I'm sorry, 530-675-4102. That was giving out the live call-in number there. That number again, 530-675-4102. Nobody's going to answer. It's a 24-7 voicemail line only.
0: Yeah, and speaking of the live call-in line, we've got a really tight show tonight, so I did not open the conference call lines, but we we normally have those open uh and we'll uh try to have those open for next week. So Josh, sadly, uh I mean, we've got a lot of great reviews already, so I guess I shouldn't think that it's uh a horrible thing, but sadly we don't have any uh new reviews to uh talk about from stitcher or itunes now of course we we continue to have people on uh, xg talk and facebook and uh twitter make great compliments about the show and uh i don't know uh, if you've been on uh, facebook recently but we have just been getting friends requests like gangbusters yeah that's cool yeah i'll go and see that there's like a, a number two up there and i'll click on it and there'll be six friends requests um, oh, wow. yeah, I mean, just a whole, it almost fills up the, the, the length of the page. So we want to really want to thank you guys for friending us on, uh, on Facebook. Uh, always happy to, um, uh, friend a new person and, uh, make some smart ass comments on your posts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll be happy to, to keep those coming as well. So, and, uh, so guys, uh, really tell a friend and, and spread the word about the XJ talk show and, and of course, xjtalk.com and of course, XJ talk over on Facebook.
0: I had one guy in chat the other day asked me if it was uh, Tony or Josh, and uh, he didn't know if we shared the account. And I said, and did, "Indeed, we do." But uh, you're talking to Tony, so uh, he uh, he the wanted to know. Only. He wanted to know who he was talking with, so uh, he knew who who he was addressing, which I thought was pretty cool. Then cuss I, out and stalk later. No, <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing but kind words. Uh, so, That's cool. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate that.
1: This part of the XJ Talk Show is brought to you by Audible.com. If you like podcasts, there's a good chance you're going to like audiobooks too, especially if you guys are busy like Tony and I. You don't have time to read those pesky books. Besides, reading a book in traffic is probably bad for your health. Audible.com has over 150,000 titles to choose from across any imaginable topic, from tech to sci-fi, fiction to fantasy, and yes, they even got some Jeep stuff too. To get you started, the XJ Talk Show has got your hookup. Just go to, go to AudibleTrial.com slash XJTalkShow and instantly get one free title of your choice. That's right. Anything you want for free. Now who says you can't get something for nothing? That's AudibleTrial.com slash XJTalkShow.
0: Hey, Josh, what's going on?
1: Oh, we got some good stuff to uh, share tonight around the campfire, Tony. Uh, a little something going on with my Jeep and uh, I imagine you got something too.
0: Oh yeah. Now I just want to uh, jump out of here the character here for a second and just mention I think it was last week that we jumped into the chit-chat so fast. I couldn't even play the play the intro. He <laughs> just started talking and I just kind of I I moved the slider all the way down, started playing it and just faded in like a professional would do
4: <laughs> yeah no, i heard it kind of creep did in you? there you know, after a little bit and i was just
1: like oh he did get to it hey what do you know
0: <laughs> so i was johnny on the spot this time which i never understood what johnny on the spot means unless that has something to do with the uh,
1: bed and no never mind anyway i think that, uh a little before both of our times but uh with
0: gotcha. uh, johnny Applesey, would it be I, I, uh, yeah, I, maybe well, you guys might remember
1: uh, some recent carnage that I have suffered. I've yeah. actually been suffering a lot of carnage here lately. But uh, no, actually, uh, my exhaust has uh, taken quite a toll uh, over the last couple of wheeling trips. And I've got a nasty hole in my muffler. And it's just been beat up across the rocks and, and everything else that uh, that has been drug over. And it's time for some new uh, new exhaust. Now, it's not stock. I, this is the, uh, the Dynomax cat-back system that I've got with their... Uh, I think it's the turbo muffler is what they call it. Uh, and it's a decent high flow design. It's by no means high performance, uh, but it's definitely better than stock. Uh, definitely breathes better than stock. And I'm going to give it a two thumbs up review, uh, especially for the price point. I, I got it uh, through four wheel parts, I think. Uh, and at the time, there was a, a rather handsome rebate offer that they were offering uh, when I when I picked it up. So I ended up paying like only $75 for a full catback system. And, uh, you know, that kind of deal, you can't be beat, especially when it's brand new. And it's held up very good over the last, geez, I don't know, six, seven years, something like that. Uh, and it's taken some abuse. and uh, But it only can take so much. And, uh, and well, it's it's now at the end of its life cycle and, and needs to be replaced. Now, I'll probably end up keeping the rest of the cat-back system, but just replacing the muffler itself. Uh, and I've been researching some options as far as which direction I'm going to go. Now when I first got this, I hadn't really planned on doing all of the exhaust modifications that I've done to the rest of the system to make the Jeep breathe easier. Uh, obviously I've got a, uh, I've got a, a, a board throttle body on the, on the very near future. Um, I have had a custom downpipe made to, to eliminate the restrictor. I've got an aftermarket high flow cat in there. Uh, I've got a chip in it as well. So it's, you know, programmed a little bit better. And of course the cat back exhaust it's aftermarket to breathe better as well. So uh I still got to pass emissions, so I, you know, I can't be, you know, taking things out or going in like straight pipes or anything like that. Uh, and of course, up here in Oregon, uh, spark arresters are mandatory as far as your exhaust system goes. Uh, so straight pipes wouldn't exactly be an option as well. Neither would uh, really glass packs, you know, the cherry
0: bombs or well, something like that. Let me, so let me stop you. What's a what's a spark arrester? Would that be a, the muffler? Well, the muff a muffler would count.
1: As a spark arrestor,
0: if you don't have
1: a muffler, if you um, register your vehicle in an area that doesn't require you to pass emissions, and let's say you've even removed your catalytic converter, um, then uh, you would have to have some sort of external device that would eliminate the possibility for uh, an, an ignited piece of carbon uh, or a spark that has traveled down the pipe. Let's say you're running a little bit rich because right. you did something to the system that's not r- quite running right. Yeah, In any rem- case, you've got to have something to prevent a uh, you know something that gets too terribly hot from passing all the way through out into open air.
0: So, that's, that's
1: what a spark arrestor is. So, so a, uh, a
0: potato would probably work, too, just in the end of the tailpipe. Yeah, the Jeep probably wouldn't go very far, but you're right. It would work which very, would, very well Which would be great with the tree huggers, I'm sure. So, you know, the, <laughs> yeah. the, the catalytic converter gets very hot, too. Is there any requirements to have any kind of heat shield on that where you're at? I mean, if they have a spark arrestor, I could see they'd be concerned about a, a hot catalytic converter as well. You just have to
1: have a catalytic converter. Um, oddly enough, even though the catalytic converters can run very, very yeah. hot, we're talking maybe even four-digit temperatures uh, type of hot. Um, and it's been known for a, a hot off-road vehicle with a catalytic converter parked over some tall grass to spark some fires. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's nothing you can do about that because it's it's you know federal emissions you know regulated. Well, uh, I thought they may re-
0: maybe they required some sort of uh, cookie shield or something. Uh, Cookie sheet shield to go over it. Uh, I didn't. I didn't know since I've never been in that part of the country. It just it just kind of struck my mind. And and by the way, guys, helpful helpful hint: If you're uh, taking a, a picture of your Jeep in the tall weeds, you might want to leave it running, which might sound counterintuitive with setting the grass on fire, but you might want to drive it out of there really quick. <laughs> if, yeah. If really. you start seeing smoke, because uh, especially when the catalytic converter starts getting clogged up, it can get very hot. Mm.
1: Yeah, no, they, they can reach uh, temperatures of a thousand degrees inside yeah. there. That uh, with those elements, uh, things get clogged up. Those exhaust temperatures, they are mighty hot. So, nonetheless, um, you know, there's a few options I'm looking at. Um, you know, some of the big, you know, MagnaFlow or you know Flowmaster. You know, those are those are up there as well. Thrush is on my list as well. Uh, there's some other no name brands out there. I'm gonna talk with some officials and find out if I can get away with a with a glass pack muffler because i really like the idea of something you know thin and cylindrical mm-hmm. tucked up uh yeah. it's because i'm toying around with the idea of doing some custom belly pan options maybe clocking the transfer case putting a big belly pan skid up there giving myself a little bit more room underneath the jeep and I if i can tuck you. that exhaust up uh, at least close to or um you know above the frame rails well that would be an attractive option
0: well, let me tell you about my Bliston shocks. Am I saying that right? Is it uh, Stein, Bilstein? Bliston? Bilstein. Bilstein. My, uh, I can't pronounce them, but I'd sure and hell paid for them, and I got the cheap ones too. They were <laughs> they were 150 bucks for a pair. Uh, I just got the ones for the front because I was having some uh, wheel hop issues. Uh, I definitely uh, need to get the uh, tires balanced. It's been a long mm-hmm. time since I had those put yep. on and I have not had them balanced, uh, it'll, I'm sure it'll make the, the the ride feel really good. But oh, yeah. uh, getting some de- decent shocks on the front is going to help uh, And on long trips and, and uh, those times whenever I don't feel like spending an hour or two hours waiting in line at Discount Tires to have my stinking tires balanced. I, I hate that. I just hate it. Anyway, uh, did I mention I hate it? Anyway, so I still need to make time to go do that, but it's almost like I want to schedule a day off to go over there when – when nobody else is there. Anyway, uh, I'll I'll do a, a quick report. I I I got the the shocks on this past weekend, and uh, immediately started having starting issues with the Jeep. Oh no. <laughs> Yeah, how's that work? <laughs> I, like, I asked myself the exactly. I asked myself the same question. So I drove it to to work anyway on Monday, and then uh, got home and uh, went and picked up a starter. Uh, brand new starter from O'Reilly's. I would uh, really, honestly, would have preferred to order it online and, and getting uh, maybe a, a better brand name. But uh, mm-hmm. brand new starter, put it on there, and that fixed the problem. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> I thought it was the battery on uh, Sunday, so I went and picked up a new Red Top battery, <laughs> and that didn't fix it. So, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I got a new a new Red Top, but that's okay. I've got a Wrangler that I can put the uh, the old Red Top in. Uh, yeah, repurpose. Uh, yeah, good. exactly. So, um, and, uh, I don't know how much life uh, that one has in it, but uh, we'll use it until we, uh, until we need to replace it and we'll put another red top in there. So, uh, anyway, uh, the, the way the shocks ride, uh, I didn't have the same problem that one of our xjtalk.com uh, members had with their, uh, rough country shocks. Mine were still very difficult to compress. And when I took them off there, they extended fully. So I didn't notice a big difference in in ride. Some of the things I did notice, now I do like taking corners pretty fast, about uh, 90-degree corners pretty fast. And with the, uh, say it for me again, I'll I'll get it right from now on. Bilstein? Bilstein. 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 Um, With the Bilstein shocks, I did feel a lot um, like it was supporting the front end of the Jeep really level. In those turns, it didn't like let it drop down a little bit. Uh, no, no more wheel hop, but I can still tell that the tires are a bit out. That you know they need to be balanced. So all mm. in all, it, it, it's not worse, but it's only slightly better, at least on the road. Now it'll be interesting to see what happens off road, of course. And I am working towards that. Unfortunately, uh, so you know, no modification goes unpunished. I always say. Uh, I yeah. put the uh, <laughs> That's true. I put the I put the shocks on uh Sunday and then had the starting problems on Sunday. Put a new battery in the Jeep Sunday. Still had the starting problems. Monday put the the new starter in there. And then uh Tuesday I developed a lifter tick. Oh no. Yeah, and this is on the uh, rebuilt engine uh, that has got maybe 24 to 29,000 miles on it. So uh, I'm sure everybody is familiar with the lifter tick noise, but just in case you're not, here it is. So I'm uh, I'm calling it the flutter because whenever I'm accelerating uh, up around anything above 2,000 RPM, I hear this fluttering noise. Now, uh, oh, I spoke— are you
1: sure? Let me let me interrupt for just sure. a quick second, if I may. Uh, are you sure it's coming from the top end of the engine? Yes. Okay. Because oftentimes people have confused lifter tick and the and a cracked flywheel because they do sound a little similar.
0: Yeah. No, this is this is coming from the engine, um, and uh, uh, the the flywheel of course is brand new, so mm. it doesn't mean it can't crack. But I, I you know, it's got twenty four thousand miles on it as well, so I, I very much doubt that it's going to be that. And uh, no, I can hear it. And uh, uh, now I was talking to Matt, uh, the guy that uh, built the engine for me, and uh, right. he said I can actually shim it out. But before I do that, I'm going to try uh, running some uh, ATF uh transmission fluid uh in the oil for uh, ten or twenty miles and then changing the oil.
1: And what is that supposed to do? Because I haven't, haven't actually heard of that trick before.
0: Clean out the crap. There's something that's there's that right? yeah there's something that's keeping that, that lifter from pumping up. And uh, well, that
1: makes sense because if you ever opened up a transmission, they are sparkling clean. Mm-hmm. Now obviously a transmission doesn't have any uh, combustion going on in it. Uh, and they're obviously not exposed to to the elements as far as, you know, the uh, dirty air or anything like that goes. Um, but I would, uh, I would say that that makes sense. Uh, the ATF probably has a very, very high detergent content in it.
0: Yeah, and I'm not supposed to run it very long. He he actually su- suggested that I, uh, I put some in, put a quart in, go to work and come home, which would be a 40-mile round trip, and then mm-hmm. change the oil. So it's wow. not something that you want to do uh, many, many miles. Uh, I think because of that uh, detergent action. So
1: uh, Real quick, make sure that you drain a little bit of oil out first. You don't want to overfill the engine and end up starting to blow seals.
0: Right. And I uh, <laughs> just thought I had, had this, this flash of the Singer seal. Um, okay, so uh, <laughs> we have a uh, uh, the Radio ComTech segment that we had last week. And, Josh, you know what I did wrong? What did you do wrong? I put pulled the wrong file into the uh the the mixer here it, oh. it was just the video file that i pulled in
3: oh well, that makes
0: sense because john had provided both audio and video and i didn't pull in the right one that where i had mixed it uh the audio file being an mp i mean the video file being an mp4 and the file mm-hmm. i created was an mpg so oh okay there's the confusion it's that whole reading comprehension thing uh, all yes, over again. You-
1: partially list dexic myself so you know g's and fours and yeah, they could look at the same why not
0: so let's get to the uh the radio com tech segment uh for this week thank you uh, very much uh john pre-runner 1982 and now it's time for some radio com tech
5: another warrior is on the base
3: xjtalk.com is where you go when you're not off-road and now you can go to xjtalk.com when you're off-road too using your smartphone install the TapaTalk talk app then search for xjtalk take xjtalk with you wherever you go jury duty dinner with your spouse's parents even well anywhere you need your xjtalk fix
2: Today I'm going to talk about choosing your first amateur radio. Hopefully you listened a few weeks back to my last Radio Comtech segment where I advised on how to get your amateur radio license. If you're working towards that goal, your next step is choosing your first radio. There's two schools of thought on this. Some people think that a handy talkie or an HT makes a good first radio while the latter group and probably the larger group think that the mobile radio is a better first radio now the benefit of having an HT as a first radio is cost. Even though some of the big three the Icom, Kenwood, and Yesu do have dual band HT's that cost more than a single band mobile, there are some Chinese radios that are almost dirt cheap. The cheapest of them being the Baofeng or Pofeng. B-A-O-F-N-G, uh, apparently is supposed to be pronounced as P-O-F-U-N-G. Uh, the company's actually changed the name so that us Americans pronounce it the right way. But I digress. This radio can be purchased for about 35 bucks on Amazon. Now remember to go to the Amazon link on the XJTalk.com homepage. Now, one thing about an HT being your first radio, you have to understand the characteristics of the HT radio with stock rubber duck antenna, it's not going to perform to the best of its ability. A longer antenna definitely helps and an external antenna mounted on the roof of your Jeep will help tremendously. Another issue with an HT is if you're actually using it as a handy talkie your body and objects around it have a more of an impact on its performance. You could be having a great signal step a foot to the left or the right one direction or the other and completely lose signal. It's just the nature of the HT radio. So if you're going to have one as your first radio, you have to understand how it performs. That's actually one of the reasons that most people don't think that an HT makes a good radio, because for somebody new into the hobby, dealing with those characteristics can drive them away, because it can be very frustrating. The HT can be mounted as a mobile radio, but realize it's only 5 watts. Uh, With an antenna mounted on top, like I said, it will uh, perform quite well in the city. shouldn't have any problem hitting repeaters. Or if you're out wheeling, you can certainly talk to other people in your group. But if you plan on using it or possibly needing it as an emergency radio, uh, you're going to be disappointed. It's not going to perform like you need it to in that type of situation. Now, my first radio was the Baofeng or Pofeng. For a more in-depth review of this radio, check out episode 86 from July of 2013. I have had this radio now for about a year. In fact, I have two of them now and have had no issues at all with them. I keep one at home and I keep one in the Jeep. I have moved up to a mobile radio now and I'll get into that more next time. For the Baofeng Pofeng radio, they do offer external hand mics and battery eliminators that plug into the cigarette lighter so it can um, like I said, be mounted in a, a mobile installation. One good thing about having such a cheap radio available is for those that aren't quite sure if ham radio is the hobby for them or not sure how they're going to like it once they get into it. $35 is not much to spend to, to find out whether this is something you want to get into. Um, it's almost a disposable radio. You know, if you're using it on the trail and you jump out and it falls in the mud, uh, big deal, you're out 35 bucks. If the radio lasts 18 months, 24 months, and and then dies on you, uh, I think that's uh, you definitely got your money's worth, and that was a good investment. Like I said, I'm going on a year with my first one right now with no issues at all. There are many HTs available on the market, uh, from single band all the way up to, I believe, quad band. But again, they, they can get expensive, more expensive than a single band mobile radio. And uh, really, for, for an entry-level beginner, uh, a cheap Chinese radio can do just fine. Just realize uh, what its limitations are and what its capabilities are, and uh, maximize its performance with uh, a larger antenna or an external antenna, and uh, at least get your feet wet with it. But if you do enter in a ham radio hobby this way, plan on moving up to a mobile radio in the future. All right, that's it for this week. Next time, I'll be discussing mobile radios as your first radio. If you have a question or something you'd like for me to talk about on a future Radio contact segment, shoot me an email at prerunner1982 at yahoo.com. This is John, prerunner1982, clear.
0: Well, thanks a lot, John. I appreciate that. Now, I'll just mention real quick that uh, uh, my personal feeling about handhelds uh, is it is a blast, absolute blast because uh, I used to have to work Saturdays when I was watching, uh, Josh and I have talked about it, watching Kung Fu Theater. I'd have to go up and uh, do some, perform some backups or something back in my very early days and with computers, and <clears throat> I would uh, take my handy talk to you. At that time, it was an ICOM 2AT, and uh, it was an absolute wonderful thing to be able to sit there, walk around uh, or sit there in the office while backups were running. And uh, listen to what was going on, the local repeater there in, in Baytown, Texas, uh, and then jumping in and having conversations. It was a, a wonderful little little thing. And uh, yeah, I did have problems uh, hitting the repeater uh, sometimes, With depending on where the location was. You got to keep in mind that you're approaching higher frequencies. I mean, it was uh, two meters, it's a VHF, so very high frequency. So metal and water in your body, all those things uh, come into uh, the factor of reflecting the signals and sometimes canceling the signal out going to the repeater. So you may have to move the the handy talkie just a a fraction of uh, the two meters that it's uh, uh, designed for, and then you get a very clear signal. So you'd have to deal with that, but having that ability, and keep in mind, this was in the 80s, so it was uh, really long before the cell phones were very popular, so to have uh, the ability to talk from anywhere you wanted to, uh, basically, to somebody else, was a, a foreign concept. It, it, it works much better than a walkie talkie did from your very young days. <laughs>
1: yeah. And uh, John actually posted up here just uh, earlier today, in fact, a discussion on xjtalk.com uh, about an eight watt version of that, uh, that Baofeng uh, Handy Talk. Just uh, go over to xjtalk.com, do a quick search for eight watt HT. You guys can join in
0: on the discussion. And now for a disclaimer Jeep tips is for entertainment purposes only. If you choose to follow these tips, man up and take the responsibility for your own actions. If you cannot or you feel that working on your Jeep is beyond your abilities, seek the help or advice of a trained certified mechanic. Got a tip? We do. It's time for
5: Jeep Tips. Okay, so now for our second installment of Jeep Garage, I am assuming now that you have Listen to episode 140 and you have gone out and bought your welder, you've bought your protective clothing, you've bought yourself a self-darkening hood and you are now saying to me, uh, this is getting expensive. <laughs> well, good tools like these, if you're going to build your Jeep, will save you a lot of money in the end. Uh before we're done here, I'm going to uh go through building things like skid plates, uh belly pans, frame stiffeners, and uh, even a $3,000 front three or 4 link suspension if you want. And uh, if you can build that $3,000 suspension for, say, uh, about 700 bucks, well, all I have to say is you can save a lot of money that way. So let's get started. You've got your equipment, and now you need to know how to weld. And before we do that, I need to go over some concepts on welding and uh, hopefully you're going to be able to remember these concepts as we go through this. And I explain to you how to make a decent weld. Now, first off, I hope you bought that bottle of gas because it's going to make a big difference in what you're able to do with your MIG welder in the near future here. So as we uh uh, get ready to weld. The first thing you have to do, you got to ground it. You actually have to ground whatever you're welding on because that electricity has to go from the gun through the wire into the piece of material and back to the welder. It's called completing the circuit and it's just something you have to do. So you've got to f- take that ground clamp and you've got to find a good place on that and make sure it's clean. If it's on a piece of uh, painted surface, you're going to try to strike an arc, and guess what? It's not going to happen. So you got to have a good ground. So find some bare metal. If uh, you can't find a piece of bare metal, make one. Grind it off, sand it off, whatever you have to do. And uh, uh, sometimes that involves, uh, on my particular Jeep, I just go ground to my favorite spot on my bumper, and it's good clear the other end because of the way the bumper is attached. So you don't have to be right next to it as long as it's got a good flow, a good path of unresisted flow back to the welder. That's the important part. Okay. Now the first thing we need to go across uh go through here and uh, that's a, a term called puddle. Now everybody knows what a mud puddle is. It means it's got some mud in the bottom of it that's kind of will uh, flow around your tires. And if you're a good four-wheeler, like I know you all are now, uh, you know, mud puddles are fun. You go through there and uh, there's some soft, squishy stuff in the bottom. Well, a puddle of metal is no different. What it means is, is that there is a little spot of white, hot, flowing, molten metal. And that's actually what makes the weld is that puddle. So just because we stick some rod on there or some wire, that doesn't mean you made a weld. All that means is that you goobered a bunch of metal on there, and uh, that kind of a weld will fail. The kind of weld that really makes it a weld, rather than, say, brazing or gluing or anything like that, is that as we add material to this puddle, the puddle then forms a continuous Metallic bond between both pieces and the metal that you've added, and that's what a weld is. So if all you've done is splatter some metal on top, all you really did was make a mess, and it's not going to hold up. And you might say, "Well, yeah, my welds have always held," but uh, you know there'll come a day when that weld doesn't hold. So let's uh, let's just be honest here, and, and let's just try to get some concepts down so that we can get a nice strong weld it doesn't have to be pretty but a pretty weld is undoubtedly a good weld so there, there is some uh correlation there so what we're going to do now is we're as we use our gun we press the lever and the wire goes out and it and it makes uh, contact and it sparks and so forth we need to make sure that we stay in One spot long enough, or that we move the gun slow enough so that that puddle is maintained. If that puddle is not maintained, the wire is still going to go out, it's still going to arc. But when the puddle is not maintained, then all we're doing is we're just putting a little bit of wire on the top, and it does not actually make a weld, it just puts more metal there. So we're going to maintain this puddle of molten white-hot, liquid metal. And as it touches both pieces and we add a little bit to it to fill in the gaps, then that's the weld. And so we're going to maintain this now by having the proper settings on our welder, and and we're going to go over that here in a minute. And you're going to move the gun slowly over the area to be welded. So now, by slowly, I mean, we want to do an an inch of travel in about four seconds. So we're going to move that gun about an inch on average, about every four seconds. That's one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand, four, one thousand. And we made an inch of weld. And that's, uh, say, with a, with it set on about an eighth inch thickness of material or or maybe even 3 ths that's as fast as you want to go. You don't want to go any faster because you have to make that puddle, maintain it. And then we're going to add another word here. We're, we want to have penetration. And uh, if any of you are experienced welders, you know what I'm talking about, penetration. So, so what do we mean by that? Well, that puddle has to go down into the metal. It can't just be on top. It has to work its way into the metal and you want it to go about halfway through the thickness of metal. So here's the way it works. If I was to take a piece of metal, I was to lay it down flat. And then I would take another piece of metal and put it upright at a 90 degree angle. So it looks like an inverted T and then weld in the joint there. That puddle would penetrate half of the thickness of that 3 16 inch metal. Let's say that's what we're using. Okay, so it's going to go in there uh, halfway through, one and a half, sixteenths there on one side. If we were to go around to the other side and weld it, and it goes halfway through there, and then slice it so that we go across the weld and take a look at it, we would see that there is no place there that has not been Molten and become all one piece. So it would look like it was a piece of tea iron. Or it would look like it was half of an I-beam, something like that. It would look like it was, like it was made that way in a steel mill someplace. That's what we want when we have our puddle and we get penetration. We want to go about half of the thickness of the metal. Now you can go a little bit further than that you know, and try to get a a little bit more penetration. But what will generally happen is, is that uh, at some point you're gonna have a hole and everything's gonna drop down and you're gonna say, oh crap, (laughs) now what do I do? Well, you fill it in and you go from there. But the point is, is that half penetration is about good enough. Okay, so we're we know what we're supposed to do now. We're supposed to get a puddle there. And that means we watch it. You, you sort of get your, your field of vision there off to uh, one side. So you're not looking directly down through the gun. So you can actually see what it's doing. You can watch that puddle. And, and that's what an experienced welder does. He watches his puddle. He does, he can't see anything else through his hood except that arc and the puddle. And his puddle is what determines how fast he goes or how slow he goes or if you're using a stick welder, what kind of motions you want to use on that stick, circular, C motion, things like that. So it's the puddle and you can only learn about that puddle through experience. So now when you're making your first practice weld, you've got some scrap iron, you cleaned it off, you know, halfway decently, got all the paint and the heavy rust and stuff off of it. Just start on one side. And after you grounded it and uh, hit the gun and you're gonna just sit there and watch that puddle. If you don't see the puddle, it's not working. So watch the puddle. That's the secret to learning how to weld. If you don't, you'll, you'll never have welds that are correct or functional or even look halfway decent. And with a MIG welder, as forgiving as they are, you should be able to make a halfway decent weld without too much practice. So, we're going to watch the puddle. Now, the next thing you need to know is, use two hands on the gun. I know it looks like it's made for one hand. Well, it is. But the fact of the matter is that when you put that second hand on there, then your hands become very steady and you're not shaky. And and this is an important concept because if you're going to maintain that puddle, you need to have the electricity kind of in one spot. You can't have it all over the place. So it's got to be two hands until you get real experience. Just get used to the idea, two hands on the gun. I use two hands, works fine. I've been welding a long time. Two hands is a great idea. And uh, especially if you start getting really old and shaky and so forth, uh, that's a, a good thing too. And there, there's another thing, and and guys, we're going to have to man up here and and uh, just kind of admit this: the first time you strike that arc, you're going to be a little bit kind of intimidated. We'll use that word. Uh, the fact of the matter is, we don't like electricity. None of us do. And uh, uh, the first time you do that, you're kind of worried about it—the noise, the crackling, and and so forth—and and, uh, you know, you just, uh, you know, I don't really know if I want to do this or not type of thing. Well, it's just something you have to learn to get over with. Uh, it's kind of like uh, fear of spiders and snakes and stuff like that. Uh, eventually, you got to man up and, and just get tough and get over it. And, you know, it, it may you may be a little bit pained to uh, admit that, but that's the way it is. And gals... Same thing. Uh, women make excellent welders. They found out in World War II, in fact, they make better welders than men do. But uh, they've got to get over that fear of the noise and, and so forth. And once they do that, they become very, very good welders. So that second hand on there makes you less jumpy. It makes you better able to uh, control any apprehension you have about it and, and move it correctly. Now, How far away do we keep that gun? Because uh, this is really important. You can shoot that wire out there 8, 10 feet if you want. Doesn't mean you can weld that way, but it'll go out there. It's nice and stiff, and uh, it'll kind of wind around things because it's got a little curve to it, but uh, uh, it'll stick out there a long ways. So how far do you want that gun? Well, here's the thing. You have to maintain a gas shield. That means there has to be nothing but that gas over the weld because if it's exposed to air it'll start bubbling and and it'll look like it's trying to boil from inside and that's what that gas shield does it keeps it from doing that because there's no oxygen in it and uh, what is happening to cause that bubbling is that oxygen is getting to that hot metal and it wants to burn just like a lot of things want to burn in the presence of oxygen so then it starts boiling and so if you're using a flux core or a gas shield either one the whole idea is is we keep that weld covered up until it gets down to cherry red. Once it gets to cherry red, it's fine. It'll, it'll be okay because then it it's not liquid anymore. So as long as that weld is white hot, we have to have some kind of shield over it. So the gun is going to need to be about a half inch away from the metal surface. You get it about an inch away and that gas shield isn't going to be working for you. And if you get it down and you touch the surface of what you're welding, the lights go out. Now, fortunately, those, the ends of those guns are made out of copper and uh, copper does not stick to steel. Uh, just doesn't work. So, the lights will go out. You take the gun back off and you get the wire out there a little bit more, hit the trigger a little bit and then put it back down and start in again. So, Keep the gun a half inch away and by having both hands on there again, that helps you do that. It helps you be able to see uh, what you're doing if you're just a little bit off the side and also it helps you to keep it steady. So gun a half an inch away. You want the wire pointed away from you and what this does is that that wire uh, as it's coming out, it will actually push the weld, and it'll start piling up the metal and that's kind of a handy thing to do. So you want that wire pointed away from you, the gun a half inch away and both hands on it and you want to move it at about an inch every four seconds and if you maintain that, you'll make your first weld and uh, see how it goes from there. Now, as you make more and more of these welds, just make another weld beside it you will uh, get the hang of this and you'll get more comfortable with it. And then you can try experimenting with different settings on your welders. Now your, your smaller welders like this, they'll have settings for eighth inch, uh, uh, three sixteenths steel, so forth and so on. Uh, those are okay to start with. Those are general settings. And so, uh, go ahead and go with those what you should be getting is that when you're welding you're not getting just a bunch of crackling now if you at the lower settings when you're welding really thin stuff it's going to crackle but by the time you get up to welding 3 16 and with that setting you should be getting more of a hiss and a frying bacon type of smell and that means that you've got a nice balance between electricity and wire now, if you have too much electricity and not enough wire, what it'll do is it'll burn that wire right back up to the, the tip and sometimes it'll stick. And uh, then you, if you still have your finger on the trigger, you got to take your welder apart and uh, take all that bunched up wire out of it in front of the drive spool or behind the drive spool and so forth. And so run the, the wire back through the gun and uh, then you can start it again. So, you don't want it too fast. Now, if it's too slow, what's going to happen is, is it's going to start crackling. And if you go beyond that, you'll actually feel the, the hard wire hitting the metal surface and trying to push the gun away. It'll be jerking on you. That means that you need to slow the wire speed down or you need to add more power to the, uh, uh, to the weld. Either one, uh, so that you get it balanced out. So, do all of these things. Do a little bit of practicing and get that nice sound out of your, uh, out of your gun. Sort of a, a hissing sound. There'll be some crackling too, but kind of a hissing sound. And get used to, uh, the right speed. And if that, you know, if you're going a little bit too fast, the, the weld will, uh, uh, start getting hourglass shapes in it and so forth. And it won't look like uh, it uh, spreads evenly. That means you need to slow her down. If uh, you're not going fast enough, the weld will take on a very flat nature because it's getting a puddle that's too big and uh, you're probably gonna be in danger of burning through. So that means you need to go a little faster. So practice on this. And by the time you're ready to, uh, uh, get this down, get your get your couple of hours in, get it practiced, burn up the gas, burn up the wire, that's the only way you learn. The next time, we're going to talk about how to make vertical welds and uh, overhead welds with a wire feed. There's a trick to it, and uh, you're not going to be able to do it at all until you get these basic flat welds down. So good luck, guys and gals. We'll catch you next time.
0: Hey, thanks a lot, Steve. Interesting stuff. I've been wanting to get a welder in my shop here for a while.
1: You know, I've got one of those Harbor Freight welders. It's 240 volt, uh, lucky for me, but I wish I had that gas, man. My welds are ugly.
0: Well, you can add it uh, to it, right?
1: Yeah, I sure can. It's just uh, something I haven't done. It's been uh, kind of a low priority because I don't do a whole lot of fab work uh, here. I've got buddies that got all the equipment that are far more experienced and, well, higher end equipment than what i've got but nonetheless gee steve a whole ton of really good advice there a lot of great tech tips even for the novice or beginner fabricator you guys stay tuned to jeep garage we'll be giving um, a lot more tips and steve's gonna be giving us a lot more advice uh, during this segment upcoming episodes
0: yeah we really appreciate it steve now i just want to say thank you to steve and john for jumping in there and being a part of the show And uh, you can be a part of the show too We love to have you on Because it means less work for me and Josh And uh, (laughs) less uh, rambling uh, (laughs) You hear less rambling from Josh and I Whenever people uh, jump in So if that's not enough of a uh, a reason for you to be part of the show uh, I can't uh, tell you what else would be (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> hey, speaking of uh, friends of the show and stuff like that, check out Hidden Wounds XJ. Guys, go to HiddenWoundsXJ.com, and they even got a Facebook page. Friend them, pick up some of their stickers and t-shirts, help support their cause. They're doing some really good stuff, and uh, those guys could definitely use the support.
0: Yep, don't forget to join us every week, every Thursday, 10 p.m. Central Time at YouTube.com slash Talk. We're on Facebook, we're on uh, the Twitter, as you kids call it and uh we're on tumblr Uh, i don't think we post a whole bunch of pictures there but we are on tumblr so you can uh, check us out there so uh we'd like to see more of you and more of your jeeps uh, whether or not you'd like to be on the show show us on uh, one of the social media sites we still like looking we're only human we love looking at pictures
1: that's right make sure you guys are spreading the word tell a friend about the XJ Talk Show and uh, guys the entire show archive is available for your downloading pleasure for absolutely free over at xjtalkshow.com
0: you know Josh I'm going to have to go back and listen to Jeep Garage uh, Part 1 because I want to learn more about this welder he's talking about I've been uh, holding out for a $1000 MIG welder that doesn't oh. include the bottle because that's what Mark over at Detours USA recommended to me and I am. You know, maybe if I don't have to spend $1,000, I might might actually do it. (laughs) Hey, the XJ Talk Show, saving you money. (laughs) That's right. You guys have a great Jeep week.
1: We'll see you next time.